take you to a little uh, memory verse tonight, and then we'll jump into Exodus, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Now, for you Wednesday nighters and those of you who were here on Sunday, this is becoming a very familiar passage. Deuteronomy chapter 8, very revealing passage as well. Let's look at verse 1 together. Deuteronomy 8.1 All the commandments that I am commanding you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that He might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Is that becoming familiar to everybody? Everybody remember that Jesus quoted that in Matthew chapter 4. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As you turn to the book of Exodus, um, let's pray. Father, as we uh, are flipping pages here and getting ready to receive from you tonight what we would often uh, call our daily provision, we know that man cannot live on bread alone. He cannot live in the sense that he cannot have true spiritual life. Yes, we need bread. Yes, we need food, Father. But what we need most importantly is the spiritual bread. And Jesus, clearly you identified yourself as that bread and you've also identified the word of God. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God as the bread. You are the word of God, Jesus. We need you to have life and we need to continue to feed upon the word of God. And so I pray, Father, that as we understand that these are called the words of life, the Bible is the the book that guides us to what life is all about. It's our sustenance. May we feed upon it. May we long for it as a newborn baby craves for the pure milk of the word. Help us to, to crave. The baby craves some milk, but let us crave for the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. I pray, Father, that you'll bless our time tonight. Teach us what it means to walk with you day by day, morning by morning, uh, Father, to seek the provision that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us long for the pure milk of the word that by it we might grow in respect to salvation, says Peter. We need to grow. And uh, as we look at Exodus chapter 16, this is what our night is about tonight. It's about walking in the instruction of the Lord. Now that can be a frustrating thing for human beings. And here's why it's frustrating. Because in order to walk in the instruction of the Lord, most of us see that, well, let's put it this way. Sometimes we see that as a real burden. Now John told us in the book of John, in one of his epistles, that the commandments of of God are not burdensome but they become a burden 
when we do them without God's provision. And this is what I'm going to talk to you tonight about. If you walk in the instruction of the Lord with the provision of the Lord, then the commands of the Lord will not be burdensome to you. If you attempt to walk in the instruction of the Lord without the provision of the Lord, then the commandments will be burdensome to you because you will be attempting to live them out in the power of your flesh. And your flesh, Paul said, how many good things are in your flesh? Not one good thing is in your flesh. And so tonight, I want to tie some things together for you in Exodus 16. We're going to finish the chapter tonight. And I want to remind you that the children of Israel were being tested in the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 8 makes that clear. God said that at the end of uh, Exodus 15, early on in chapter 16, that He would test Israel to see if they would walk in His instruction. Would they do it the way He told them to do it? That was what the test was all about. And so after miracle after miracle... After ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, God let them go thirsty for three days. He wanted to check them out. He wanted to see what was in their heart. They had the big worship service after the parting of the Red Sea, after the uh, Israelis passed through on dry ground and the Egyptian army drowned. Worship and praise. But now, three days with no water. Now what are you going to do? And we know what they did. They went from worshiping to complaining. And we talked about last week that we quickly do that, even when we leave a church service. As a matter of fact, sometimes we're complaining during the church service. Oh, can you believe it? Oh, yeah. It's too cold in the sanctuary. What are these people doing? Where I give my money towards? Don't they pay the bills around here? You know. Sometimes we can get, we can murmur, even while church is going on. And sometimes it doesn't take long, even after we get out of church. We're hungry for that double double or whatever, right? We talked about those kinds of things. We can quickly get in the flesh. Now, the children of Israel, three days with no water. You would have reason to complain. You know, you can't go very much longer with nothing to drink. And so, you're starting to wonder, where is this God and is He going to show up? Now, He shows up, of course, at the waters of Marah. They go from bitter to sweet. He does another miracle. The children of Israel are hungry. And God says, okay, they're complaining again. And God says, Exodus 16, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Exodus 16, 4, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion. You might want to just underscore that. A day's portion every day, that I may test them. This is Exodus 16, 4. And here's the test, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. I am going to provide for your needs. But I want to see after I give the instructions if they will keep them. This will be the test. When I give the clear instructions about how the manna is to be gathered and how people are to do this, will they keep the instruction? And here's what I have for you, brothers and sisters, tonight. And it just came to my heart. Here's what it is. You have been asked to walk in a certain instruction, but don't forget that you've been given the provision to walk in the instruction. 
Okay? And the manna is going to begin to develop a picture that day by day the believer needs to understand that we need manna for today. We need the bread day by day. We would say it this way, morning by morning, we need the bread of God. Now, we know ultimately the bread of God is Jesus Christ. But Jesus compared um, uh, that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jeremiah talked about eating God's word. And eating and drinking, and we're going to look at this uh, Sunday in some more depth, eating and drinking is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. And when you think of eating and drinking, eating and drinking has to do with consuming something outside of yourself and bringing it into yourself, assimilating it into who you are. Uh, As a matter of fact, there's a union really that happens with the food that you take in. We've heard the sayings, you are what you eat and so forth and so on. And the food that we take in basically assimilates into our body and makes us in many ways who we are. And in the same way, what assimilates into your body, what feeds food, we would argue, feeds the cells and the body, spiritual food is going to feed the inner man. But how many Christians do you know that could say, Morning by morning, I'm getting a provision. I'm getting an omer full, (laughs) as the Bible will put it, of my manna. Uh, Are you going out? Are you able to walk in the instruction of the Lord because you are living by the provision of the Lord? Man cannot live on bread alone. The writer of Lamentations talked about God's mercy in a book of lamenting. And he said, uh, the mercies of the Lord are... New, how often? Every morning. And then he said, Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Um, When Jesus was asked by the disciples, Teach us to pray, in Luke 11, Jesus said, When you pray, pray this way, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And then he said, Give us each day our daily bread. And so what we need is we need manna for today. And when I say manna for today, I'm talking to Christians tonight who understand that they still need a provision to walk in the instruction of God. And what I found over my years of being a Christian is I can tell you that the biggest problem the Christian church has tonight is knowing the will of God and doing the will of God. And the reason that most people don't know the will of God or do the will of God is because they're not into the Word of God. Um... And it is because we live in a culture of distraction. God says there are some necessities. There's some bread that you must daily live by. The psalmist put it this way. He said, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates once a week. No, he says, on his law, he meditates day and night. I'll show you what he'll be like. He'll be like a tree, planted. And you start to see this picture develop of a healthy, fruitful tree planted by a stream of water. And it yields something. It's fruitful. And we talk in the Christian life often about fruit, don't we? Bearing fruit and so forth. Then I'll show you another kind of man. Well, he's the wicked man. He's... 
He's like chaff. He just blows away. He has no root system. He doesn't have any depth to his life. And as soon as the wind blows, because he has no depth of root, he blows away. And how many Christians do you know, or at least we believe they're Christians, who blow around constantly? No depth of root. Uh, Paul, when he uh, was in Thessalonica, Luke writes that the Thessalonians were... Uh, more noble-minded than those in, uh, or excuse me, the Bereans, excuse me, the Bereans were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they even checked out Paul, the Bereans. And then Paul, of course, said in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-one, I die daily. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. You see, the walk of a Christian is a daily walk. It is not a Sunday event. It's not just attending a church service that will make you a spiritually um, strong person. A church service may be part of your spiritual diet, but is certainly not sufficient. Part of it, certainly not sufficient. I could tell somebody, once a week I have a steak. And they would say, okay, cool, what else do you eat? I said, that's it. I eat a steak once a week. Oh, well, so, twice a month, actually. Because some, some Sundays, I just don't feel like having it. No, 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 no. That's part of your spiritual diet. But in order to walk in the instruction of God, we must feed on the provision of God. Now look at the text as we work through it. Exodus 16. Remember, God's testing them to see if they'll walk in the instruction. And he says this. It will come about. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So twice as much would be the day before the Sabbath. And so Moses and Aaron, verse 6, said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. What, they didn't know it yet? And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for He hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we? that you grumble against us. In essence, what Moses is saying is this to the children of Israel. Okay, do you need to know again? Okay, I'm, t- I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. He's going to give you yet another reminder of His faithfulness and His glory. But why do you whine to us? What am I, he says Moses. Who am I that you moan to me? I took a stick and God's the one that turned it into something. I'm a man. But every time you whine to me, guess what happens? God takes it personally. Because I represent Him and I'm doing what He told me to do. Who am I? Every time you write your little nasty note you know, and you drop it in the box, you know who you're complaining to? God. Now, there are certainly things that we ought to bring to people's attention, but Moses is saying in the greater context here that uh, every time you guys whined and murmured, where's the water? Where's the bread? Where's this God? He just brought us out here to kill us. The Lord hears what you're saying. And He's put you to the test, if I could add this. And so far, you've got a red F on your paper. You're not doing so well. So, in the morning, you will see. For God 
hears your grumbling. And Moses said, this will happen. This is what will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against. Oh, there it is, against him. And what are we? Just a little reiteration here. Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Now, I guess there's some application here because all of us grumble about circumstances. And if we believe in the sovereignty of God, in essence, many of our grumblings are really grumblings against God. Now, there are some legitimate, legitimate things to question and complain about. Uh, anything that we believe is an injustice or an atrocity, we ought, to, we ought to make our voice heard. But I think what Moses is getting to is the grumblings that talk about provisions. I just don't have enough. God hasn't done this for me or that for me. And when we start doing things like that, that's going up directly to the throne of God. And we're saying basically that God, you're not enough. And Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. Can you imagine getting that word? Hey, by the way, there's going to be a meeting. It's going to be about four o'clock. Come out of your tents, because the Lord's heard you complaining, and he wants to have a meeting. Can you imagine? Hey, get ready. Here we go. Wash your face. Get your stuff, right? You'd be totally excited. What if you weren't one of the chief murmurers that day? I'm not feeling a little queasy. I don't know if I want to make that meeting. And it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now, the glory of the Lord, the radiance of God, we don't know necessarily how it's manifest, maybe a burst and flash of light, but we do know this, that as the children of Israel left Egypt and moved uh, across the wilderness, what was there? It was the glory of the Lord. The cloud was there by day, the pillar of fire by night. But what happened? What happened to these people that somehow they believed that that glory had departed? Had he left them? He had heard every one of their complaints. But you know what happens to us? When we're not feeding on the provisions of God and our eyes are not focused on Him and we start murmuring and complaining and getting in the flesh, even though the glory can be there, we start to become blind to it. We start to shut out God. You know, we've all seen the billboards or the posters or whatever, wherever it's been on. If you feel distant from God, you moved, right? God has not moved. That glory had not departed from Israel, but they were blind to it. They were too consumed with the immediate needs that they had. God's not coming through for me, man. And so God shows His glory, in essence, to say to the people, I'm here, and I've been here the whole time. And while you were whining and complaining, I was still here. And I'm going to provide for you out of my mercy. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it came about. 
at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp. I almost see the movie The Birds here because two million people would take a lot of quail, wouldn't it? And so here come the quail. And this is a miracle in and of itself. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness, there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. So the people got the quail by night. They saw the glory of God and the provision. And then in the morning, as the dew evaporated, there was a fine frost type thing there on the ground. It was the provision of God. It reminds me, sometimes you know, when we're looking for the provision of God, sometimes we don't see it right away, do we? Sometimes it takes going kind of that underneath layer. Sometimes we see that, uh, just that layer of, uh, of dew. But underneath there might be the answer. And so dig a little deeper. If you're here tonight and maybe you've got some questions, maybe you've been struggling with some things, maybe you need to look a little deeper. You know, we have a tendency as people, especially in our culture, to be very surfacey people. We, we often talk on the surface and we, uh, we operate on a surface level. And God says, no, I want you to look a little deeper and you may find my provision there. And so they looked and there was a fine flake-like thing, verse 14 at the end, fine as the frost on the ground. And when the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Now literally, the word manna means what is it? And uh, of course, the children of Israel had never seen anything like this. Uh, you know, normally when you get food, you might pick it off a tree. Some things grow underneath, but but they're wondering, you know, what is this stuff? We see it all over the camp. It's got to be a huge amount uh, of provision that God has given here. And they're saying, what is this? And Moses says, here it is. This is the provision of God. This is what the Lord commanded. Verse 16, gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. Now, if you're interested, um, an omer is a dry measure, measurement uh, for Israel. It's a tenth of an ephah. And just if you wondered, an ephah, a dry measure, is a, about one bushel of capacity. So basically, to be technical, each person was to receive about seven and a half pints for the day. They were to get this omer fill, omer full. Um, they would probably fill up a basket perhaps and then divvy it out to their household. But this is how they, they went about. And they were supposed to get it according to the number of people in their tent. And the sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. And when they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. And every man gathered as much as he should eat. Most commentators believe that no matter how much a person gathered, probably at least early on, they would always have enough. If I kind of mismeasured, I still had enough for my household. If I went too much, I still had the right amount. They think that there's a miraculous nature to uh, this particular uh, miracle. Paul wrote, if you're interested in 2 Corinthians 8.15, as he's dealing with um, churches helping one another, he says, as it is written... He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. And Paul is using that in the context of churches helping churches and supplying the needs of others, which is interesting. And Moses said in verse 19, said to them, Let no man 
leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses, verse 20. And some left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Now, there was supposed to be no leftovers. And if the people did leave these leftovers, worms would begin to appear out of the manna and it became rank or foul. And it just reminds us tonight that when we don't walk in the instruction of the Lord, things can become foul in our lives rather quickly, can't they? You know, we have a tendency sometimes to say things like this, Lord, I believe that you can daily provide for me and I'm going to walk in the provisions, but then we kind of get out of joint. We get out of whack with the Lord and things can become quickly foul. And you know, you even look at something that was a miracle of God, but they didn't keep in the instruction and worms grew out of it and it became stinky. And with our lives too, you think about it, you know, God says, walk with me every day. I want you to come and gather the daily provision. It's going to be there already for you. You just need to go out and get it. Okay? And then do it as I told you to do it. But the people are stubborn. And so God's reminding them through this. Look, if you don't follow my instruction, things are going to get foul in your lives. It's going to begin to stink. And many of us can say, we've been there before, haven't we? We don't walk in the instruction of the Lord We ignore what he has to say and things begin to get foul in our lives. They begin to smell. How do we get here? Well, how you been doing with following the Lord's instruction? Well, didn't get my overflow the other day. And they gathered it morning by morning. Here it is, morning by morning. Every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now, what do you think the Lord's trying to teach the people? After all, in John chapter 6, we know that manna becomes a kind of a type. And if you've all uh, heard the the phrase before, when you look at a type in the Bible, we we talk about typology. A type is something that is found in the Old Testament that is representative of something in the New Covenant, and especially oftentimes pointing directly to Christ. Um, So you could talk about the lamb being a type of Christ, the blood of the old covenant, and so forth. Well, the manna was a type. And day by day, morning by morning, the people would go out and pick up this provision. And if they uh, didn't trust that the Lord could take care of it, then things would begin to stink. It would become foul. And so think about it. You know, and I think the conclusion is pretty obvious, isn't it? The Lord's trying to teach them daily dependence or trust. Day by day, morning by morning, I want you to learn to trust me. I told you that every morning when you go out of the tent, when you wake up and you rub the sand out of your little eyes and you got your little slippers on, when you walk into the camp, and the dew evaporates, my provision will be there. Imagine how much God provided every day for two million people. Talk about a large amount of quail and bread. And we saw Jesus multiply the loaves and the fish in John 6. This is mass quantities, folks. And God says, look, I want you to believe that every day I can meet your need. 
And every day you come out of that tent, all I'm asking you to do is get enough. Get the provision. And I want to see if you'll keep the instruction. I want to see if you'll obey me. Hold your finger in uh, Exodus and turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 50. Isaiah chapter 50. I want to show you something that kind of caught my eye. And this is something prophetic regarding the Messiah. Isaiah 50. And let's just begin at verse 1. Isaiah 50 verse 1. If you passed Matthew, you went too far. Okay, Isaiah 50 verse 1. Thus says the Lord, Where is the certificate of divorce by which I have sent your mother away? Or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Behold, you were sold for your iniquities and for your transgression your mother was sent away. Why, there was no man when I came. When I called, why, there was no one to answer. Is my hand so short that it cannot ransom? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, I dry up the sea with my rebuke. I make the rivers a wilderness, their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth their covering, Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Now, as you read this chapter, you'll notice some things about the Messiah. Verse 6, I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. This happened during Jesus' crucifixion. Remember Isaiah is written 700 plus years before Jesus is born. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, remember, towards Jerusalem. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Now if you think about this particular idea, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned so that I might speak a word of provision, if I could put it that way, and, it, and I'm able to sustain one. Morning by morning, I know how to do this. Now, this is what we would call a messianic psalm. Look at verse 4. The Lord gave him, or has given me, me capitalized in the New American Standard, the Messiah, the tongue of the learned or the disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord knows how to, with a word, sustain the weary one. And I would submit to you folks that here's the picture. Morning by morning in this old tent of my body, as I live my life, God says through Paul, though my outward man is perishing, my inward man is being renewed. How often? Day by day. As I look, not to the things that are perishable, but to the things that are imperishable. Now, Paul is talking about the fact that we're all going to grow old and this tent's going to wear out. And as I cruise around in this tent, Paul says in Romans 8, you know, I groan. 2 Corinthians 5, I groan, right? Because I long to be clothed with that new body. And so there I am. 
uh, I'm in this tent day by day and I need a word to sustain me. I need something to fill this vessel. And the Lord, you know what He's done through Jesus Christ? He's given a word to sustain you every single day. It's a provision. You know where to find it? You know where to find it? All you got to do is wipe Mr. Sandman out of your eyes a little bit. Get ready, you know, wash your face off. And then turn on, no, I'm just kidding, don't turn on the television. Now, if you want to turn on the radio, I, I will do this, because I don't want to get legalistic with you guys. Well, usually when I'm getting up, I say, this is my routine. Lord God, I am your servant. I offer myself as a living sacrifice. I want to be holy and pleasing to you. That's my first prayer in the morning. Then I get in the shower, and depending on when I'm functioning and operating, I do turn on the radio. And I listen to some funk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I turn on Alistair Begg. Have you listened to Alistair Begg? You've got to read your Bible, right? If you don't tell them they're a wretch, how will they know and get rid of the wretchedness? You know, and things like that. And so I just love to roll my R's first thing in the morning. See, I learn from other pastors. I do listen to other pastors. And I listen to Alice just said, you've got to read your Bible. And so I get the word audibly through my ear. And then I'll pop a CD in. And I'll listen to R.C. Sproul. Or I'll listen to whomever I've got. You know, Oscar will give me a CD or whatever. But I'm ingesting that which sustains the inner man to walk according to the instruction of God. Then I come to a church and guess what I do? I study the Bible. And you know what? Every day I walk this planet just like you, I see this wretched heart. And I see how desperately sick I am at the core and how I need a word to sustain this weary soul to make sure that I'm living for the right things. I need daily provision. I need manna for today. I need the Lord Jesus Christ to fill my cup. He's my bread. But I also need to eat at His table. And I need to do it regularly. I am in desperate need of His manna so that I can walk in His instruction. And He knows, turn back to Exodus, how to speak a word to me in my weariness. Have you ever done this? Have you ever picked up your Bible, you're in a situation, you start reading and you go, or you turn on the radio and the preacher's talking about the exact situation that you're in right this moment. And you think, that's got to be more than a coinkadink or a coincidence, right? And it is. Because the Lord knows how to speak a word to the weary. You know who the weary are? Us. And so he says, let me speak into your life. Yeah, you'll trudge through Leviticus sometimes and it'll be hard as you read through your Bible. But I know how to speak a word to you. Get up out of that tent and go get the provision. Yeah, but Lord, I'm a little tired. My back hurts and I just, I don't know. You know? 
the quail came last night and I'm still pretty good. Go and get it. Get your daily provision. Morning by morning. Now, Moses writes that when the sun grew hot, the provision would melt. And it came about, verse 22, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses. They said to him, 23, he said to them, excuse me, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath, to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. Now there was one time a week when you got twice as much and no worms and foul smell came. It was on the night before, the day before the Sabbath. That day you got two days provision. No worms. Why? Because God didn't want you go out, going out looking for it on the Sabbath. He didn't want you to go out and gather it on the Sabbath day. And you know that the Sabbath was one of those provisions. Was I don't want you going out and working like you do every day. That's a, that's a sanctified, consecrated day. So you'll have two days worth the day before so it can carry you through the Sabbath. Cool. We got it, Moses. Hey, this man of things working, dude. Every day we wake up, there it is. God's mightily providing. And so verse 24 says, So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. So, hey, God is true to his word. And Moses said, Eat it today, for, to, uh, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Hey, everybody, the Lord is faithful, isn't he? Moses got his loudspeaker. Now, just as he told you, right? You gather it. You're going to have two days worth because there'll be none out there on the Sabbath. Everybody got it? Nod your head so you, I know you're listening. Oh, good. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, then Lord, the, uh, it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather. Well, what? Hey, there's not going to be any out there on the seventh day, so get two days filled. This is the Lord's instruction. When you wake up, Sabbath day, where's the man? Wait a minute. God said it wasn't going to be there on that day. Oh, I know. I know. He's, I know God said that, but we're just checking. Just checking. Just want to check and see, you know, check things out. See, I... Oh, I know God said I shouldn't mess with that. But I'm just checking, you know. Just looking around. I want to see if what God said is really true. Just checking it out, right? Don't we do that? Oh, I know the Lord said this. And I know He said that if I uh, leave any leftovers, it'll become foul. But I just want to kind of analyze it to see if that little worm will grow out of there. I just want to see. I want to just see it come out and do its little dance. I want to just, have you ever had milk go bad? And you already know it's bad, right? Just like, oh, man, right? What did you need confirmation for? You knew this stuff was bad. But we're that way, aren't we? See that bench with wet paint, you know, that poster of wet paint? Let's just see if that's, just want to check. And the Lord said to Moses, now the leader gets it, how long do you, Israel, refuse to keep my commandments and my instruction? 
How clear do I need to make it, says the Lord, if I could put it that way. Let me repeat it with emphasis. When you hear a teacher teaching and repeat something twice, that means he's doing it for emphasis. Apparently we didn't get the message. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, verse 29. Therefore he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Would you write that down? Put it on a post-it note or something. Apparently you guys don't get it. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel named it manna. It was like coriander seed white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. Now, as we look at um, manna, just quickly, I was telling you earlier that manna is a type. Now, manna came down from heaven. God rained it from heaven, and it was white. And it reminds us that of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, it had uh, an appearance like white as snow. And it reminds us that Jesus is the righteous one come down from heaven as the bread of God. When the people ate of it, it was sweet. And Jesus is sweet as honey. His words are as sweet as honey as well. So when the people picked it up, it sustained them. And that's what Jesus does. He knows how to speak a word to the weary, right? We talked about that. So the manna has this typology. It comes down from heaven. It's the daily provision. It's sweet. And when we uh, take it, it sustains us. And then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer full of it be kept through your generations, that they may see the bread that I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer full of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. Apparently, this particular little part of the manna would have a very long shelf life. Because you know, as you read the book of Hebrews, that in the Ark of the Covenant, there were a few things put in there. You remember what they were? One, there were the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Two, there was the bud or the staff that had budded, I should say, the staff that had budded. And three, what was there in there? The jar of manna was put in the Ark of the Covenant. Why those three things, by the way? One, the law. Two, the staff of the prophet. And three, the provision of God. Pretty interesting. What was in the Ark of the Testimony? And what was the Ark of the Testimony supposed to do anyway? Supposed to do what? What did it do? What did it represent? Presence of God and and what? Think about, uh, of course it represents that. But you think about, speaks to the presence of God and the provision of God, I would argue. What God supplied to Israel. It represented His presence, but also His provision. And, And so, check this out. The jar, uh, omer full of manna, it's be kept as a reminder from generation to generation. And as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. We mentioned, if you want the reference, uh, what was in the ark, Hebrews 9, 3 and 4. Hebrews 9, 3 and 4. And the sons of Israel ate the manna for 40 years, verse 35, until they came 
to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is a tenth of an ephah. If you're interested, Joshua tells us in Joshua 5, verse 12, And the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land. So the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. So when they came into the land of Canaan, after those 40 years, the manna ceased. But for 40 years, there was a daily provision for millions of people to be sustained. And here's what I'll leave you with tonight. If you want to be able to walk with Jesus Christ and you want to keep his instruction and you wonder why you're weary and you feel burdened, I'll tell you why. Because you must feed on the manna for today. And if the moment that you start to think that you don't need it, or you've arrived, you know, you talk to some people and say, do you read the Bible? No, I've read it before. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you don't seem to understand the nature of what we're dealing with here. I didn't ask if you had read it before. I asked if you read it. Present tense. How many of you could testify tonight that every time you read a portion of this book, you get a little different meaning or God just speaks to you and sustains your life? You know what? This is why the devil, by the way, attacks this book so much. And that's why he tries to keep you from it so much. Now, I'm so glad that you're here tonight. You're here on a Wednesday night. I know there's a lot of television programs. I know there's Laker games. I know there's a myriad of options. Uh, You can set yourself up to have 300 plus channels if you'd like. You can surf television, internet. Um, You can wear your gadgetry. And you can drive yourself bananas until the cows come home. You can flip and click and flip and click and do that the rest of your life. But I'm telling you right now, if you want the provision to walk in God's instruction, then get out of the tent and go get it. It's right here. It's been supplied. It's always accessible. There's no lock that I know of in Southern California that keeps you from this book. But there is an old saying. It's been written in many a Bible. And it goes this way. It says, Sin will keep you from this book. And this book will keep you from sin. And the other old saying is if, this is one of my newer Bibles, but if you have a Bible that's falling apart, you probably have a life that's not. So let us, in the days and weeks ahead, learn what it means to go get the daily provision. It's out there for you, but you've got to get out of your tent and go get it. And you've got to get it morning by morning, day by day. Father, as we think about these things, we hearken back to the words of Jesus. After 40 days of no food, how is it possible that he could say to the tempter, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now we know man is alive 
But man does not really begin to live in the sense of spiritual life until he understands that he has to live on the words of God. And Lord, we would collectively confess tonight that we all could hunker down a little bit more and be a little bit more disciplined in this tent of ours. But this tent of ours, Lord, it is tough. Uh, It wants sometimes the easy thing. The... Uh, it, it can get in patterns of sin and, and we can be so easily entangled, Father. And so we need to buffet this body and make it our slave that we might bring glory to you. Lord, we know that our flesh, our heart is deceitfully wicked. It's sick and it needs a word to sustain it. And so we pray that you will build up the inner man. Lord Jesus, you tell us that morning by morning we can find that word. Your mercies are new every morning. Your faithfulness is great. The provision is there. It's readily accessible. But Lord, how weary we can become, how wayward we can walk. You challenge us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And you tell us for three chapters in Ephesians why we should do that. Because you chose us. Because you love us. Because you forgave us. Because we were dead and now we're alive. Because we have everything in Christ. And so, Father, we pray for forgiveness tonight. For all the times that we laid in this tent. And we we didn't go get the provision. And then we didn't walk in your instructions. Father, they're definitely interconnected. Sometimes even when we read our Bible, we struggle. And so how much more do we need to stay linked to you? Lord, tonight for your saints, I just want to pray that you'll encourage them. I know that this can be some convicting stuff, but I know ultimately, Lord, you desire to provide what we need. We have everything that pertains to life and godliness in Jesus Christ. But help us, Lord, in these tents of ours to get up And walk to the place where we can receive what you provided. Help us to go to the places of provision. Help us to learn what it means to do that day by day. And even we would say moment by moment. Teach us, Father. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to live, Lord Jesus, like you. Teach us to say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We need manna, Father. We need you to sustain us. So tonight we cry out to you, Lord. We pray for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. We pray that as we have fed upon the Word of God, that we will uh, cherish it, Lord, that it will go deep into our hearts, it will assimilate into the soul, and what will come out is a strength that's supernatural. That's what this book does. It comes in, it assimilates into the heart of who we are, and it produces results. Thank you, Father. Thinking that the word of God does not come back void, void, but it produces what you desire. Help us to feed upon it more often so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. Shaped and molded and directed by the word of life. We pray that in Jesus' holy and mighty name. Amen.